Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, 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 yes. Remix, yes. Remix album. Jackson's bouncing today. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Act like you didn't know. (laughs) That's Action Jackson. Maybe you're bouncing because you won $20 from me. Oh, that's right, with the Jags bet. Oh, no, no, no. we're going to act like we didn't remember. Uh, I, I did, but I was I was actually going to Venmo you. I Venmoed you. you. Yeah, I saw that. God bless you. Uh, and I uh, was thinking about Venmoing you at halftime, and then they scored, and I was like, well, we'll just let's, let's just wait to see how the, how the chips fall. Let me tell you something, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell you, because I sent you a, a really a rude message via Venmo, but be, that's because I'm a good sport. <laughs> I just saw that there was twenty. I didn't even read the message. So yeah, well, I mean, I know twenty dollars for you is essentially <laughs> right. what you is could it worth? or would tip. Yeah, uh, but won't. Uh, I saw. Well, what did I say? I live bet them at yeah. halftime. So piss off. I think is what my Venmo message to you was. Oh goodness. Um, but when I saw the Jaguar score at halftime to make it twenty-seven-seven, I believe. Yeah. I thought I went immediately on and checked what the line was. There's plus a thousand. Plus a thousand. Nice. And I thought, if there, the Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers got a little bit of Mizzou in them, <laughs> and if there's a team that can have that kind of debacle take place in the second half, it would be the Chargers. So I thought, eh, I'll put a, I'll put twenty five on this and just see what happens. Hell. And then, sure enough, I was treated to Al Michaels' enthusiastic call with Tony Dungy as the game came to a conclusion with the Jaguars performing the third largest comeback in the history of playoff football. Yeah, it is absolutely. I, I saw you go over to the computer, and I thought, oh, look at this guy. He's going to pull up the call. I am going to pull up the call, but um, I live bet them when it was 30-20, to 20, and it was still plus 700. No way. Yeah, it was a massive number. I thought you were watching Pacers-Grizzlies basketball. That game ended, and uh, the Jags and uh, Chargers had just gotten in. It was Eastern time in Indy, so uh, it just yeah. gotten into the uh, second half by the time I got back. And uh, 20 to 30, I was like, you know what? They could probably still do I don't do like this. when somebody gives the lower score first. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's my son, My son, who's five, right. and isn't hosting a show on... FM Sports Talk Radio. That's, you know, semantics. Uh, I, he did that one time when I was beating the hell out of him in soccer in the basement. <laughs> his body and I him. said, hey, just a little tell. These are, these are things that you're not going to remember, but I want to try to drive into your head. If you do that, eh, people aren't going to respect you. Right. I'm just telling you. And if I- you're the guy who's out there playing with your friends and says, hey, 
So what's the score? And then you say it's one to six. Your friends are going to look at you differently. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you how the world works. That's what I said to him. I live with that respect, you know. I'm Rodney Dangerfield over here, so life is all right. Well, you got 20 bucks from me. Yeah, not bad. Now, I have a football But I profited. Sl- I'm net 230. That actually makes me feel Would good. Would I but... rather have won the 20 from you and not the 250? I think you had rather won the uh, the 20 from me, just I, being honest. I do, absolutely, because I'm on a streak. I was, anyway. Football strategy question, just real quick oh, here. Oh, wow. Well, when people have football strategy questions, I'm the guy they ask. Damn right. Um, I was thinking in the moment when Staley, or not Staley, when Doug Peterson had the option of going for two or going for that two-point conversion after Joey Bosa's penalty, to me it was clear kick the uh, kick the extra point and try it in overtime at home. Did you like him going for two in that situation? He is the guy of all of the coaches in the NFL who, if you said one guy who, because it, the analytics actually tell you that that's the right play, which truthfully messes me up right as a guy who thinks he knows analytics although is minus 100 percent roi on daily fantasy so i just know that the analytics say that that's the play to make that play that's fair. now if they don't get it and then they're driving down the field then you do the results oriented thing right you see but nobody's talking about it so tip of the cap to you that even though it worked out you bring it up right. i respect that because you trust the process 100 percent. like in the moment i'm thinking like if you don't get this now you have to score a touchdown and granted, if you get it, and we saw what happened because it worked out exactly the Pearson's plan, but I don't know. I guess when you have a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, who's, what, six four or 5 and can just reach over, you do it. But And I get the analytics part of it, but that puts you in such a bad position if you don't get it. But I guess you're kind of free-rolling at that point. You're down 27 nothing in the first half. I wonder how much he—I th- I don't think he—he he doesn't strike me as a guy who thinks about that. That's fair. He's That's won fair. a Super Bowl. Yep. He got the Jaguars in the playoffs when they were probably a long shot to get into the playoffs at one point a month and a half ago when the Titans were in control of that division before they were decimated by injuries and questionable play calling themselves. And so I I respect somebody who plays to win and goes with what they think is right, even if they think it's going to receive criticism and not even worry about it. Sure. I mean, he's a guy who's won a Super Bowl. There aren't too many guys who can say that. 100%. So this is his belief, and he goes with it. And when he did it, I was like, what in the world? But I, but I am aware of the, the analytics say that that's the play to make. Yeah, and I respect him taking advantage of the situation with Bosa getting that penalty because otherwise I think he, actually, he automatically just goes for the extra point. But he saw an opportunity where they can win in regulation, not have to worry about overtime. And with that Chargers offense, I, I, I respect it. I just thought in the moment he should kick the – and also I had action on the line, so – Interestingly enough, so you so you live bet them to win too? Yeah. So, so you, I, what'd you what would you uh, do? Uh, just a, a unit, just a unit on. What's the, a say, bro? What's your unit size? I guess I'm gonna give up my unit size today. Well, my guess is Jackson's unit size. You can text in Jackson's unit size three one four three nine 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 six four six Air Comfort Service text line. My guess is. God. <sighs> $10. Yep. $10 units. $10 units. Uh, but a lot of the plays are two-unit plays. So just because the unit is what it is doesn't mean I can't. When's the last time you made a two-unit play? On the Grizzlies' first half. The uh, game you went to on the, Saturday night. The Grizzlies. And you got to see Ja Morant with one of the greatest dunks in the history of the game. And you uh, were there to bear witness. Yeah, definitely the best dunk of the year, probably. Definitely the best dunk I've ever seen live in person. But I bet the over of the first half. And Benedict Mathern. 
you never thought you'd hear Benedict. I think it's Matherin, actually. Benedict Matherin's name on 101 ESPN, but he had a three at the end of the game or end of the first half to put it over. So oh, my God. You were just having the night of your life. And, and, and listen, this weekend I was I was peaking. But uh, getting back to watch the Jags, yeah, I said 30 to 20. The number is too good. And I got it right after they like missed the second opportunity. So the number jumped up like another 50 points. So it was like plus 650 to plus 700. I was like, I have to take it. That's the move. I and tip I my cap. Good for you. God bless. Yeah. yeah and it was yeah. only eight minutes left. So, I mean, it was kind of a, a tough play, but I wanted to make it. Uh, I think the matchups that, that you have coming up this weekend are outstanding. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is this. I mean, across the board. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, usually when the Jaguars are involved, you go, nah. But it's the Jaguars and Chiefs. Yeah. Could yeah. be intriguing. Sure. Uh, and then with the Bengals and Bills, that speaks for itself. I mean, that's the but but then you go, well, I'd say, well, it's a glamour matchup. It is in the AFC. But in the NFC, you have the Cowboys and 49ers. And it takes you back to the 1990s, brother. You don't remember it, Jackson, because you weren't around. But when the Cowboys and 49ers, I feel like they were just meeting all the time. Right. That was like in Montana, the NFC championship game. Montana versus like that 90s buzzsaw that was the and Cowboys. And right? then Steve Young yeah. and Aikman and the whole thing. So it will be. Um, who are you're on the Eagles and Chiefs in the Super Bowl? I'm on the Bills and the 49ers. Am yeah, I correct on that. There yeah. we go. And after this weekend, man, obviously the Eagles and the Chiefs didn't play, but the Niners look unbelievable. With not, you know, with the, they don't get a lot of talk about their defense. Their defense is sick, and then McCaffrey in that Shanahan run scheme is just truly something to and watch. The, guy, man. Pe- the guys people used to talk about were Debo Samuel and Kittle. Right, they're still there. <laughs> Brandon Ayuk's a hell of a receiver. Yep. Like Juwan Jennings is like touchdown guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, that defense. Elijah Mitchell's no joke as a running back to back up McCaffrey. Right. That I, I, I think that even though they've rattled off win after win after win after win after winner, that I don't think that that team gets the respect that they deserve. I think that's a location thing because they're West Coast and play at weird times sometimes. They've always play, almost always play in the three o'clock slot, which is yeah, the, but that's the glamour slot. Is it? Oh, yeah. I always like that. I always thought the noon oh, slot. Oh, no, 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 no. The game, the game of the week is the 3 o'clock game. Right, I get that, but I'm talking about, like, I feel like, at least for me personally, like, I always watch the noon to 3 o'clock games because there's more of them on. It's usually East Coast teams. Uh, but I, I hear where you're coming from uh, with the glamour matchup in the 3 o'clock. But I think the Niners, maybe because their quarterback is a third-string well, I think guy. that adds something to it. I mean, right now, the quarterback of the four who are going in to the divisional weekend in the NFC that has the most tenure is Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's... Crazy. Who up until about 15 hours ago was considered a liability. Yeah, yeah. And then he has a hell of a game as they just stomp on the Buccaneers. Boy, was I just off all over the place on that. God, I, I really the thought the too. Buccaneers would be value. I bet the, the Chargers well. be in value. I, I mean, I think the Chargers are a much better team than the Buccaneers, but the Chargers, you have to get through most likely two of the Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, that's going to be tough. Right. Buccaneers feeling like the NFC has less of a gauntlet, and that's me undervaluing the Eagles. Yeah. Maybe I'll be wrong on that, but I feel like, okay, they got to get past the 49ers. That's the team they got to get past. And I figured the Cowboys would fold up shop. And tip of the cat, that wasn't, that wasn't like the Dolphins and Bills where I was watching it. I'm going, the only reason the Bills are in this is the same reason why TCU beat Michigan. Fluky crap. That wasn't, I think people might make a mistake and now go, oh, the Bills are struggling. Meanwhile, the Bengals' offensive line is beat up, Big and time. this could be a good opportunity to take the Bills, yeah. laying three and a half or four, uh, as the number is now. Um, but 
but with regards to the Buccaneers and Cowboys, the Cowboys just flat out dominated them. So I can't wait to watch that. Oh yeah. Thing is, you got Chappelle and Chris Rock, and I'm not going to be able to watch it. That's right. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be a great time. If I'm watching the AFC, I'm much more concerned about the Bengals than I am the Bills. I mean, the Bengals should have smoked the Ravens. That should not have been a game. Well, they have offensive line issues, right? And, and those those are the kinds of things from a gambler standpoint that they fly under the radar. Because you know, if if Joe Burrow were hurt, everybody would know about it. But when it's the offensive line that's beat up, people can make a mistake on that and then go, oh, look, the Bills almost lost to the Dolphins and Skylar Thompson, so they must be weak. And then the next thing you know. So anyway, do with it what you want. Uh, text in 314-399-9646. What's the situation on Chris Kerber? That's have, a thumbs up. He got, will be with us coming yep. up here in the next segment as the Blues beat the Senators last night by a final of 2-1. to one. Jake Neighbors with a big night for the Blues. We'll talk it over with Chris Kerber. That's coming up next, plus the Lil Piddles. Ooh, what I call this one? I can't remember. Oh, the Little Piddles uh, uh, Weekend Express, all aboard. Oh, wow. All aboard. <laughs> that got me on board. Uh, Chris Kerber next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party. Driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. And it is our pleasure to be joined on the program, as he does every Tuesday, by the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Morning, Kerbs. Morning, Tim. How are you? I'm wonderful, sir. How are you? Things are really good, thanks. God bless. So the Blues got a nice one last night, 2-1 to one over the Senators. Uh, and a couple of players uh, stand out in particular last night. Let's start with Jake Neighbors. Jake Neighbors uh, getting an opportunity to get some minutes and capitalizing on it last night. What do you think of his play? Well, you know what? Jake is taking advantage of the opportunity, and, and that's that's the one thing that we keep talking about when it comes to young players in this organization. There has been plenty of opportunity over the last few years. There's not one young guy that can honestly legitimately say, I wasn't given a chance. And, uh, you know, and, and so to me, Jake is doing exactly what is needed. Does Jake, is Jake the kind of guy that wants to go out there and get in a fight? Nope. But is he going to do what's necessary for his teammates and, and, and to, you know, make sure he looks right to the coach and, and everybody. And, and, and it's not even so much that as it's just, he just knows how to play the game of hockey. I mean, and and he's just he's just got some sense to it. He's he's a, a little more he's more mature than his age and experience would show. And, and I thought he had a terrific game. Yeah, Jake Neighbors uh, last night uh, gets the Blues first one, and then the second one. You don't see it happen a whole lot, but uh, Camp Talbot last night with uh, with some issues, and the Blues were there to capitalize. Although that play started uh, before he mishandled the puck. How often have you seen that in your broadcasting career? Well, you'll see the goalie mishandle the puck like Mike Smith would. Mike Smith was guaranteed to turn it over to the St. Louis Blues once a time, which is why, which is why, he, like, Nolachari, a lot of people are going to focus on, on the mistake made by Talbot, which you get. But you got to give a ton of credit to Nolachari. You, you, you know, it's, it's, I think it was last week or, you know, we were talking about sometimes you just got to give credit to the other team. There's another group of guys trying, you know, pro hockey players trying to prevent you from doing what you want to do. If Nolachari gives up on that play, then nothing happens. Yeah. He put the pressure on Talbot, which is why Talbot made the mistake. A couple, you know, what, what, a handful of games ago when Jordan Bennington had those two giveaways, which is very unlike him when he plays the puck, the other team kept the pressure on him and, and helped force him. So I, 
Yeah, Talbot screwed that one up, but he screwed it up because Nolachari never stopped and, and went after the puck. And I thought uh, just a great, great play. And that now gives the Blues, which is really kind of amazing here, he, it gives the Blues eight players now with ten or more goals, and that's the most of any team in the National Hockey League. So, once again, goal scoring doesn't really seem to be the issue so much as keeping it out of the net, which is why Bennington was so good last night. Yeah, that's the second player I want to discuss. Jordan Bennington, once again last night, playing a huge role in a win for the Blues. Uh, he just was on last night. Uh, what did you think of Bennington's play? He's been good all year, man. He, he, look, there's there's those maybe three games, three and a half games. You're like, ah, things just haven't gone really well. You know, but you're not getting two, three goals a game. You're going, oops, the goalie gave this one up. It might be one a game, sometimes if that night. This is one of those years where the numbers of the goaltender do lie. You know, you're, you're going to look at him and you're going to go, you're going to see, well, well, almost like the, some of the plus-minus numbers the Blues have too. You're going to see some pretty awkward plus-minus numbers. You're going to go, well, these guys are just no good defensively, but you realize they gave up 14 empty net goals and that changes things, right? But for Bennington, it, it's just, you know, I'll go back to the Tampa game. You know, three of the four goals that go in are ones that you're going, there's nothing the goalie can do on that. I mean, unless he was just superhuman. And, and, and that that's it'd be crazy even ask Vasilevsky to, to make some of those saves. So I think Jordan Bennington was just really good. And, and you know what, Tim? He's had a – he's just had a calm to him this year, a calm confidence that has – you, you, I've seen it really since the start of training camp, and it hasn't wavered. It just it just had the, the needle hasn't moved, and and I think it's been uh, just a it's been a really good year for him, despite what the goals against or the save percentage may look like. Yeah, the Blues uh, split with the Flames, but uh, Calgary picks up a point in the Blues win last Tuesday, uh, lose to the Lightning on Saturday, and then uh, pick up two last night with the win over the Senators. In the meantime, five back of the Wild, uh, one up on the Predators, who we will see here on Thursday in St. Louis. And, uh, and then trail in the wild card race, the Oilers and the Flames. I, I know we haven't talked since those three games have been played, four games have been played, actually, since we talked to you Tuesday. Uh, did you, do you feel like we learned anything more about the state of the team? I know last week your message to the fan base was just let the season play out. Blues get two wins, they lose two games. Anything that stands out to you since we spoke last week as uh, we tried to evaluate where the team is? Yeah, I you know, you got 37 games to go now. And, you know, over the last, I think it's 18 games, the Blues have been about five games over 500, which is good. But in the last 12 games, it's only been one or two. And and why is that important? Well, that's important because the one or two over 500 in, in the last 11, 12 games is not going to be enough to get you into the playoffs. They're, they're going to have to play better. So you're right. They split with Calgary. And if they had beaten Calgary in that second game, you're tied for the wild card spot with the Oilers and the Flames. Instead, you lose. The Oilers went three in a row. The Flames went two in a row. You go into last night's game six points out. You know, you're four points out now, but you've got Colorado who, I don't know I don't know how the hell Colorado just hasn't played as many games, but three games in hand on the Blues, and, yeah. and Nashville has two. Now, Nashville had a couple games canceled because of a water main break, but uh, so that part makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the Blues are just in a bind where they're just going to have to keep playing better. Now, what, what have we learned about this team? To me, to me, we've learned, we've learned a couple of things. One, very few teams in the league are in a position where you lose two of your top six plus a top D-man, and, and you really have the depth to overcome that uh, in, in over the long term. 
But this team didn't have the depth going in. So I, I really think what we've seen in terms of some of the inconsistent play uh, continues to show just how important guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Tori Krugar to this hockey team in the experience level. You just don't replace 12, 13-year veterans that know how to win with four- or five-year guys. It's just it, that That's not how this works. So I, I think that's what we're seeing. I think you're getting a really good view of what the future could look like if those guys are moved at the deadline or, or are not resigned. Uh, and, and then the other thing you're really seeing here, Tim, is Thomas and Kairou's combination, whoever's on the line, and they pulled Butch Navich off that line halfway through the game and put Sod on it. Yeah. But they are getting the big defensive matchups. They're getting the big players. They're getting the key matchups. They're getting the key forward matchups, right? And they're learning how to plow through it, and it hasn't been pretty. Uh, it hasn't been consistent. It hasn't been good enough uh, to, to keep the team in the win column enough. But those are expected growing pains for four- and five-year guys in the league that are now finally getting those key matchups to learn how to battle through it. So in one respect, those guys have to get out on the ice to go through those growing pains. And on another side, it just shows you how really deep a team has to be if you're going to be one of the really good teams in the league. Chris Kerber with us every Tuesday here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota Curbs. Always enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Guys, have an awesome week. You too. That's Thanks, Chris Kerber with us here on Balloon Party. We will take a commercial break. Come back with the Little Piddles Weekend Wrap-Up Train uh, all aboard. The Little Piddles Weekend Express all aboard. Choo-choo. Wow. <laughs> How could I not remember that? Also, uh, some uh, Cardinal uh, interviews from Winter Warm-Up, and we'll let the people react. We'll play some. I'll give you my interpretation and my opinions. All of this is coming in the second half of Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alden Toyota here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Did I just catch a Celtics Hornets? That was a, that's major news, right? What I just read right there. Jason Tatum going 51. 51 points. That's the most 50-point games in the history of the Celtics organization. Passing Larry Bird, and he's 24 years old. How about that? That is that's impressive. So that was not you just weaving the NBA and forcing it down the listeners' mouths. Well, maybe it's time they get forced down their throats. Pay attention. The St. Louis and who puts on for the city, who gives back to his community, is thriving. Giving back to the community. Charity. Charity. 314-399-9646. How do you feel about Jackson holding you down and forcing that food upon you? Air Comfort Service text line. All right, it's time for the Lil Piddles Weekend Express. All aboard. Choo-choo. I'm your conductor. All right, uh, let's start off with the first stop on this train ride. What was your biggest takeaway from the media sessions and interviews from Winter Warm-Up? I really enjoyed the Bill DeWitt Third conversation. Um... I think that the situation with the regional sports networks is a huge story. I think it may have played a role in the Cardinals. Because, again, my Tim, what's your opinion of the Cardinal offseason? I'm confused. I still think they may do something just because I don't understand John Mazalak saying at the start of the offseason when like not, somebody wasn't going, hey, are you going to raise payroll or not? Like berating him. He volunteers it 48 hours after he goes out to, to L.A. or Southern California to meet with Nolan Arnato. I still don't understand it. I still don't understand it. So 
theory, either they're going to trade for someone between now and spring training, and I see CBS Sports reporting, and I guess it was The Athletic, that uh, the Cardinals and Pablo Lopez, uh, the Marlins are talking about Pablo Lopez. But in addition to that, another theory would be this regional sports network situation, and it's a number of teams, not all baseball teams, and NHL teams, and NBA teams, and what's going on in which they may have to file for bankruptcy, and the Cardinals have ownership in this region impacting their comfort level on spending but they can't say that publicly right i just can't figure it out um had john mazalak not said it i'd be like okay this is what they do right you know it's piscotti and fam and fowler again seven years later and we'll just hope you know because i feel like there's a lot of hope hope the pitching staff's healthy hope the outfield you know, and Jordan Walker's arrival is ready to go, and you have Albert Pujols, you know, junior here. But I enjoyed the conversation on the regional sports networks, which we will talk about here uh, momentarily. Uh, not only the regional sports network situation, but the blackout rules, right? which are just absurd. And uh, Derek Gould, writing in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and you can read it at stltoday.com, Uh, about how if you are a baseball fan in Iowa City, Iowa, that you can't watch anybody. Or maybe I read this in the New York Post. Uh, Yeah, no, it is. is There isn't a big league team in Iowa, and yet a fan in Iowa City is under blackout restrictions for Cubs, White Sox, Twins, Brewers, Royals, and Cardinals Oh, my God, it's a Bermuda Triangle. Well, when I'm in Las Vegas, you can't get the Giants, the A's, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, I, there's not forcing the NBA, but uh, the Grizzlies and the Pacers played when I was there. Both those teams would be blacked out in St. Louis. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's just, it's, this stuff is just ridiculous. And now, and it used to be that the networks, these regional networks, had the leverage because the model was strong. Yeah. And that was the way to tap into live sports. Uh, live sports was the way to tap into viewers, but people cut the cord. And now they're losing viewers, and people are going, oh, you know what? I'm a YouTube TV person. I'm not going to resubscribe somewhere else now because you might cut ties with them. And now I found I don't really miss it that much. Right. So that's the issue, much less the blackout thing, which is a clown show operation. Uh, Bill DeWitt III says the following. The territorial rights geography of MLB is like 100 years old, maybe. It's been modified with expansion, but you can imagine it creates distortion because of the antiquated nature of it. There is a lot of talk in the owners' meetings about cleaning it up. Put it that way. It's a bigger issue than just us. I think these blackout areas are really problematic in baseball, and everybody knows it. We're hopeful that some of that gets solved, this local media rights changing of the guard. So I enjoyed that conversation. He says that with regards to the bankruptcy element, that that he's confident that there is a plan B and a plan C. But I just wonder about that. Otherwise, I have no idea what the Cardinals were doing, if this is it, on the offseason. And I just... I just don't understand it, really. Uh, next stop on this train ride, where do you think the approval rating for John Mozeliak sits as of right now? John Mozeliak, who, for the record, is not the chairman of the franchise and doesn't just get a blank checkbook. 
It's not because I, I just I feel like Mazzella catches all the hell for the team spending, but he's not the guy who's the owner. And right. I just that, it's an odd thing. And I think it's because of the way he talks and the way he dresses. As dumb as that sounds, I really believe that there's something to that. Just like Tony Larusa, vegetarian lawyer, didn't live here all year round, was compared to Whitey Herzog, beer drinking from the area. I truly believe this, and I know it might sound asinine. I'm not going to change my mind. If you think it's asinine, I really think it's a factor. Mazalak talks in a condescending way, and he uses words like arbitrage, and that's too many syllables, and so it irritates some people. Um, now, with that said, I would say his approval rating in St. Louis is, in St. Louis, 35%. My number was 38. Okay. 38%. Oh. Yep, so we're in the same ballpark on that one. Uh, next stop, we now have the first losing streak of the Dennis Gates era. What have you seen in the last two losses that frustrate you? Is there anything Dennis can do on the coaching side? i got to tell you something, Jackson, and you might want to come across this dais and scrap with me. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh-huh. I'm 46 years old. Right. I can almost see you over this computer monitor, <laughs> and I experienced male pattern baldness at the age of 17, and therefore I have a lot of pent-up frustration sure, for sure. the last three decades. With that said... Now that Missouri is, at least I thought, back, I've been watching way more intently than I had previously, and I really don't enjoy watching college basketball. Hmm. And here's my reason. I feel like whoever's at home is going to be on the receiving end of so many more beneficial calls, and it drives me up the wall. It drives me up the wall. Now, I knew that. I've known that for a while, that that's the case, but for whatever reason. And it's like when Missouri hosts art, Missouri will be on the receiving end. It's not like this is anti-Missouri. It's just the way that it works. And it's just so hackneyed. Yeah. I can't, I, and for whatever reason, I can't get over it. I can understand that the strike zone moves sometimes by hitter in baseball, pass interference calls, underthrow a guy on a deep ball, let the receiver come back to it, pass interference. But for whatever reason, with college basketball, it drives me up the wall. And so I know that isn't necessarily what you were asking with regarding Dennis Gates. I suppose what stands out to me is what you had 11 ranked teams lose this weekend. Was yeah, that what it was? Including Tying Tennessee at home. To Kentucky. Yeah. Look at that. John Calipari. Andy beat Arkansas. So I, I'm... I'm I didn't. I didn't have the highest of expectations for the team. Anyway, I'm high on Dennis Gates and them losing at A and M and at Florida. Now you lose at home against Arkansas. You get blown off the floor against Alabama this week. Both at home. Different set of circumstances. But when a team goes on the road in college basketball, it's just it's a tough. It's tough, and it's conference by conference too. SEC and Big Ten are really bad. At oh, control. is that right? Really? Yeah, because I was at I was at the Butler Villanova game on Friday, Tim, and that's Big East, and they let them play. They let them be physical, they let the hand check slide, and it's a much more enjoyable product. And I suppose because Missouri's best player is the guy you monitor so closely with foul trouble, maybe right. it stands out even more. That could be the case. But again, I want to emphasize this. It's not a Missouri thing. I expect Arkansas to get banged on calls tomorrow night in Columbia. Yep. I expect Alabama to get banged on calls on Saturday in Columbia. And that, to me, is just beyond irritating. Yeah, it can get a, a bit it's tough. It's tough to really want to emotionally invest in it. So I suppose with the NCAA tournament, you have the neutral element, but Missouri's going to have to get some wins here. Uh, that That is not a foregone conclusion that they're in. Yep. I couldn't agree more. All right. Uh, next stop. What was your favorite game to watch over Wild Card Weekend and why? Oh, I live bet like crazy the Bills and Dolphins because I just was like, this is so fluky and there's an edge on it. And I would cheer when the Dolphins would score because I'm like, oh, good, it's going to lower the number on the Bills. And it just never corrected. Yeah. Um, loved the Giants. 
that was the play. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. But then I, I had the over at 55 and a half and it finished at 55. So mm. it was costly. And that was also kind of fluky that it didn't hit. The Giants had a touchdown called back because two guys were right. in motion at the same time. Right. Kirk Cousins throws to Trey Hawkinson, you know, six yards short of the marker on fourth down. That was bizarro world, although I've watched the, the game film of it, and and I don't know what his option was. He was about to get sacked, and Justin Jefferson had two guys on him, so I suppose he just sort of thrown it up to Jefferson, and Jefferson could have done what he did against the Buffalo Bills and made a miracle catch. Um, but with that all said, game that was the best was the Jaguars and Chargers, and it's not no even doubt. really close. No doubt. For me, I loved watching that Bengals-Ravens game. It was a game going into it I didn't anticipate being very locked in on. Really? It was a Sunday night where we were off the next day, so that's rare. And so I, you know, got to really settle in. And when the Huntley reaches over and then gets fumbled and goes the other way, that's like as electric as playoff football can get. Like that was Yeah, I was on the Ravens plus I think I had him plus ten in the pick six podcast. Yeah, yeah. That and Boy. And I had the Giants, and who else did I have? Bucks, probably. Oh, no, the Seahawks. Yeah, that's right. Seahawks. Yeah, but the way this hover was running, Mark Andrews chasing after him, I, I truly did enjoy that. I was planning on placing a wager. I don't know if you were monitoring. Jackson and I both monitor the same money data, not football sure. data, money data. And that's how we make our plays. That's how I make mine. Jackson, you're trailing me by like $800 in the Pick 6 podcast, so you just have to throw darts. So it's a, you're in a different situation here. But uh, the Buccaneers were the play. And then, like, at around 6 o'clock last night, a bunch of money. I don't know if it was one guy or what. And all of a sudden, it balanced out. Really? I, I mean, it went from, like, a 16% difference to being dead even yeah. in a matter of moments. Oh, man. And because I was seeing that the sharp play was actually the Cowboys, even though they were the favorite. Usually, the sharps are on teams getting points. Right, especially at home. And I, I certainly, I mean, I, I made the play on the Ravens, but from a football standpoint, I'm like, how in the world am I taking the Ravens? Right. It makes no sense to me, right. but, I, but I'm going to follow the same formula that's gotten me to, I think I'm like 59% against the spread, so I'm not going to mess with it. But from a football standpoint, it made no sense to me, and sure enough, the Ravens cover. Very fortunate to cover. Although, you know what, on the other side of it, had they not run that bizarro world play with Huntley having to dr- you know, jump two yards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a world changer. That's a world changer in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a 14-point swing right there. And, and, the, and the Ravens are playing the Chiefs, and the Jaguars are playing the the Bills. Yeah. Boy, that that is a that was a real game changer. And that it actually was, helped the caliber of football. I don't want to see the Ravens play no, the Chiefs. No. I don't need to see I don't Tyler need Huntley out there. Ravens or Dolphins without yeah, their quarterbacks. Yeah, without, without their quarterbacks. Yeah, without if, they're, if you have Lamar Jackson sure. or Tua, different deal. Right. Uh, next up. What team was the biggest surprise victor this weekend, and which team looks the strongest heading into the divisional rounds? Like, which team were you most surprised by winning in the in the fashion they did? I mean, if you add the fashion, then it has to be the team that was down twenty-seven to nothing. Right. Okay, I'll take the fashion because I wasn't in my original question. I mean, the the the, the but I was on the Giants. The right. Giants were the biggest play based on the formula you, we use. Yeah, no, they were. So, uh, I don't know. I don't really feel like there was a huge surprise. Do you? No, I, I mean the nobody, Niners and way that how they you know beat up on the boy, Seahawks. Boy, that was a game at halftime. The Seahawks were up at halftime. Right now, because I had them in pick six, I didn't bet the 49ers. Um, so I just, but I'm like, the this was a game, and this, but this is exactly what I thought was going to happen with the Bills and Dolphins. I thought the Bills were going to blow them off the field. That didn't happen. It happened with the 49ers. It was so clear that that was a just ticking. And that they were going to pull away. The 49ers, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I feel like they're underappreciated for how good they are. I think that is a. What's the weakness? 
Right. And, and people might go, well, Brock Purdy. And I go, well, Brock Purdy's been ridiculous. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I And they're healthy. And then the final stop. His is the final Which destination. Which is weird to say that the guy who hadn't thrown a pass in the NFL <laughs> on Thanksgiving is now somebody go, well, they're healthy, even though they're on their, what, third or fourth quarterback. Right. All right. Final one. Cliff Kingsbury is report- reportedly not hearing any offensive coordinator offers and has booked a one-way ticket to Thailand. If you left your job and could book a one-way ticket to anywhere in the world but it has to be outside the U.S., where would you go? I'd go to Bora Bora, Jackson. Mm. And I'd get one of those uh, hotels where the, uh, the it's like a canopy oh, yeah, over yeah, the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh. Yeah, that looks uh, with the clear water. Now, don't get me wrong. I would miss Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. And I would, like, take pictures of myself with duck lips, you know, and I'd like to think I'd get like, likes. I hope I would. But it might be nice to be completely alone with my wife in nothingness but water and peace. Yeah. So when I saw Cliff Kingsbury, Peter Schrager's report that he is just booked a one-way <laughs> ticket to Thailand, I go, oh my God, this oh, guy. Genius. And I think he brought two ladies with him too, his girlfriend and a friend of the feather. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, if I could put that request in as well for the trip to yeah, Bora Bora. I might take that over a Super Bowl. Uh, for me, it's Lake Como, Italy. Oh, well, look at you. You Me and Clooney. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Just hanging out. Yep. Couple of do guys. Yep. Drinking red wine. Uh, there it is. Uh, the Little Piddles. Weekend Express, baby. Uh, all aboard. All aboard. Chew. Chew. All right. We'll take a commercial break. Our Cardinal winter warm-up responses. We'll play some of the sound for you next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party, driven by Munganast here on 101 ESPN. Jackson, winter warm-up this weekend. Uh, Bill DeWitt, uh, Jr., the chairman, Bill DeWitt III, and John Mazelak all spoke regarding the payroll situation. And you have pulled sound for the listeners of the program. What do you have? Here is John Mosellock talking about the payroll increase uh, situation. Well, let's start with the question, will payroll go up? Sure. Right? And I answered yes. Has payroll gone up? Yes. Okay. Now, did it go up as high as your guys' expectations? Or fans. Fans? That's the eyes of beholder, right? Like, like. It doesn't mean that, that we weren't looking to invest in other things. We already touched on that, like some of the areas we did. Now, unfortunately, we didn't achieve that. But from the simple question, did payroll go up? Payroll has gone up. Do we have bandwidth to still add to this club throughout the year? Yes, we do. Um, is the market something that, 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 that had a... Um, an adverse effect to possibly us spending? The answer is, of course, right? Um, you know, there's, there's the way we operate is we're going to invest in what we think are smart investments, prudent, but also investments that we, we understand that, that could have a backside negativity or loss. Having said that, you're still not going to just do something just to do something, and you're not going to just spend to spend. As I said earlier, you can always spend. And so I would say to our fans, look, we, we, we like our team. Like, if, if we didn't like our team, we'd be making adjustments to our team because that's how we do things here. But um, resources that are available today and resources moving forward are definitely more than what they were in 2021, 2020, and 2019. 
Now, here's the thing about this, Jackson. Mm-hmm. I agree and understand with almost everything he said, but I think it's the way that he said it and also the sequencing of the way that he said it that probably if people either read it from a transcription, not right, from a right. quote where some is picked pick and you know, you're picking and choosing, or listen to that, that it either came off condescending, defensive. So, the, for example, the way the thing starts, replay if you could the way that it starts out, and then we'll cut out of it about 10, 15 seconds in. Well, let's start with the question, will payroll go up? Sure. All right? And I answered yes. Has payroll gone up? Yes. Okay. Now, did it go up as high as your guys' expectations? Or fans. Fans? That's the eyes of beholder. All right. Roger. There, there's... So, right there, to me, and again, he doesn't care. He's got World Series. He's been, he could, he could retire, and he might retire. Who knows? Or he might just go to another organization. His contract's up at the end of the year. Um, and he's good. He doesn't need to hear it from me. But that, to me, is what people will focus on when he explained what I think is a an understandable explanation which is they were planning on spending more, and then the market dictated by it going crazy that they weren't comfortable just sure. spending just to spend. And so from my standpoint, something that would have resonated more with the fans, which I do think is part of the job, is to build trust between the fan base in whatever organization it is, Cardinals or otherwise, would have been something along the lines of, yeah, I absolutely said it, and when I said it, it was absolutely my intent to add beyond what we've already added. And let's not discount that we added the premier free agent catcher yep. of the 2022 class. With that said, I'm sure you guys expected more, and I'm sure plenty of our fans expected more. But what wound up happening was something that we didn't expect, and what wound up happening was the market went haywire. And we believe our team is good enough as it is to compete, and because the market went haywire, we're not comfortable just pricing ourselves into a corner just to spend to meet something that I said. So looking back on it, perhaps I should have couched it and not been as blunt as I said it at the time, because I understand why fans and some media are questioning my statement then i don't blame you for questioning it at the same time we like our club otherwise we'd be way more aggressive in trying to improve it and i think that has a different tone than what we just heard but yet i think i said the exact same thing that he said as far as its actual content right i totally hear in communication is a big part of it and i i too i agree like you don't just spend to spend like would fans be more content if in a year or two they spent money but it didn't work out because or, it has happened right exactly take like, your pick of fowler leak where they're playing leak, him, paying him to go somewhere else and and brett cecil's a major example right and so it does happen and so i don't mind not just i'm just confused by what wound up happening and it could be as simple as what he said that they were planning on it. I, Randy Carricker and I talked as we were coming in and he was leaving. And I, and he said that they had identified the left-handed hitter that they were trying to bring on but didn't come in, come in because of playing time. And he goes, it had to be Bellinger. He's the only one who would have complained about playing time or wanted to know that he had a role. And the way Randy explained his reasoning, I'm like, man, you got to be right on that. That's probably the direction they were going, especially with who he was working with in the offseason on getting his swing right. 
So with that all said, uh, it's probably 11 o'clock. I get going. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to get off the air. That that to, that to me is such a big part of the chasm between the Cardinal fan base and the Cardinals at this moment is the manner with which John Mazzalot communicates. And by the way, I really like him. I really like him. And I know that's not necessarily a popular thing to say. I like him. I think the track record that he has is outstanding. But I think the way he communicates with the fan base causes the fan base to either think he's being condescending or disingenuous. And I think that's a root of the problem. All right. Your thoughts are always welcome. I'm sure they'll talk about it on BK and Ferrario for Action Jackson. Time for us to shut it down. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.